This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, everybody. It's Cheryl Kay from Unleashed, and today I have a wonderful guest. Hi, Dr. Karen. How are you? I am doing great, Cheryl. It's so good to be here. I am Dr. Karen Shinoy. I'm the Chief Veterinary Officer for Hills Pet Nutrition. And today we're going to talk about a few things. Your company sponsors the Clear the Shelters for the entire month of August. Is that correct? That is correct. It's our fifth year, and we serve as the national sponsor for Clear the Shelters along with NBC Universal Local. And this year, out of all the years, is one of the most important because there are so many pets being surrendered, let alone all of those cute little beagles that have appeared in so many different shelters. I have a friend in Virginia, and she got 30 of them. And I think where I am in Florida, they got 40. Wow. And I'm in the process now of rescuing a dog. I've had cats for many years. I was raised with dogs. I had a, a tricolor collie. Before I was born, my parents had gotten, his name was Brucey. I learned how to walk on him. And then mm. we got a standard poodle. And of course, you know, these dogs live to ripe old ages. I just recently had to put down my 19-year-old cat. And I decided I'm looking for a different type of companion. So I am now actively looking for a dog, which I have found. Of course, I have to pass the muster because when you deal with a foster, they're a little stricter. And for me, I really need because I would never give up an animal if it doesn't work. And uh, so I want to know a little bit more about the animal, who the animal gets along with, a little bit more about the personality. So to me, a foster is for me the way to go. But there are a lot of wonderful animals in shelters and you're primarily dealing with shelters. Is that correct? In my role, I actually do a lot of different things, and some of it is interacting with shelters and then also interacting with veterinary professionals and even, you know, through vehicles like this, reaching out to the general public as well, to those consumers and pet lovers out there. Okay, so what is your elevator speech for all of the people out there who are thinking like me, maybe haven't really gone into it yet, yep. who wants the dog or a second dog? Sure. I would love to give some advice and especially on how to think about going to find that future pet and considering adoption from a shelter like you are doing. And I just have to say that I, I so relate to some of the things you were talking about. You know, you grew up with dogs and have had cats in your adult life, it sounds like. And I'm very sorry to hear about the passing of your 19 year old cat. Nice long life for your cat. In my life, actually, I grew up with cats and have had more uh, focus on dogs as an adult. So I, I grew up in a house with a mother who's a total animal lover, had cats. I think we had four when I was born, um, grew up around pets, and then kind of got the science from my dad and, and felt like I was sort of destined to be a vet. And so have ended up with dogs in my adult life because my husband's allergic to cats and love both. And so I'm happy to talk with you a bit about dogs and kind of my perspective on how to best welcome a, a new dog into the house. Yes, that I want to talk about because that's very important to me. And, you know, it was funny. I was saying to some friends, you know, it's harder to find the dog than it is a mate. 
And when you find the <laughs> yeah. dog, there are more rings you got to jump through. I mean, yeah. they know whether their house broken, you know, are they friendly? Are they a couch potato? You know, yep. it's like the puppy dog clothes go home. And but I don't want to ever bring an animal back. I wanted to work out right away. And I want to bond with the animal right now. I'm going through. I mean, I loved having cats, but at this stage in my life, I want more of a companionship. I want to exercise more and I want to get into agility with oh, wow. animal. I mean, I really have a lot of plans. I have her picked out. I'm just waiting for the meet and greet. But, you know, that's just one case in the city of many. What are your suggestions and what to look for and how to go about it? So on one hand, I will say I am a bit of a believer that when the time is right, the right animal finds its way to you. However, I'm here today to really talk about the things that you can do to plan and prepare. And it sounds like you have given this decision a lot of thought. And so I would say, first and foremost, that's super important. Think about your family situation, other pets, the size of your home, your lifestyle activity, how often you're gone away from home, you know, all of those things factor into whether a cat is the right choice, a dog is the right choice. And then focusing in on dogs today, you know, it's really critical to think about what age pet, what size dog, what activity level you're looking for. Again, I can tell that you've given that an awful lot of thought and are thinking about the activities you would like to do with a dog. And then, you know, what type of characteristics maybe with that new pet best fit with that lifestyle and the things that you're looking to do. So I think that homework and thought and talking with everybody else in the household is sort of critical in step number one. And then I also would suggest making plans for bringing that animal into the house. So think about how you're going to introduce it to the other pets in the house, make plans for veterinary care. If you don't already have a veterinarian that you are regularly seeing, make sure you identify a local veterinarian that you plan to utilize and just get supplies and get all the things ready at home that you're going to need. And then after that preparation phase, go to the shelter and do even more to work with them and talk to the staff at the shelter, the team about the pets that they have available. Make sure that you share your perspective on what you're looking for. Again, your lifestyle, all these um, characteristics that might make a dog most best suited to your house. And they're going to really know the pets that are in their care. They're caring for them every day. They've done their due diligence to kind of understand as much as they can about the the past lives of the pets that are in the shelter may have more information about some than others, but can tell you what, what dogs perhaps have had previous experience with kids or with other dogs or with cats and how they seem to do and um, can give you advice and answer all your questions about caring for that individual pet and what its preferences and needs are. And then the third piece of advice would be, again, to seek counsel from a, a veterinarian after you've adopted the animal and get their input as to what you can do to help ensure the, the health and safety of that pet for years to come. Well, the only pets I have are dust bunnies, and I am totally cleaning my house. I am getting rid of unneeded furniture because the pet that I have my eye on is medium, and I want you know her to feel comfortable moving around the house you know, any cords left out, any plants, you know, it's different than with cats, you know, they really can't knock over China or crystal or whatever. But what should I expect? Or how do you think best, you know, for me and for our listeners out there? What should I expect when I bring the dog home? I live alone. Yes. Is this a younger dog? She's three years old. 
She's uh, from Bermuda. I guess she was rescued during the floods. She looks sweet as could be. The picture I saw of her, she had a tutu on. And any dog that would let you dress her up with a tutu has to be, they say she's mild-mannered and gentle. She sounds like a wonderful dog. I, I really am excited for you. I would say as much as you've got all these wonderful ideas, and it's so exciting to hear about all that you've planned to do with her, my first piece of advice would be to make sure that you kind of go at her pace as you first bring her home. And so give her time to acclimate and to adjust and settle in and, you know, just sort of take things at her pace. And if she is mild mannered, it sounds like you could probably expect that she'll adjust pretty quickly. Um, but just kind of, you know, go a little bit slow before you just ramp up and, and get out there with the agility and all of these fun activities that you've got planned. The other thing would be, again, to ask about some of the things that she does or likes from what they know about her life at the shelter and try to mirror some of that at home and then just love her, you know, give her a a good, safe, loving home and, and a nice, healthy pet like that should flourish and do really well. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. And of course, this particular dog that I have my eye on, um, I filled out an application. I've given references. I have a vet that I would certainly, you know, bring her to when I bring her home. And they say she's up to date with the vaccines. And, you know, of course, that's distemper. But there are other vaccines. I think I'm saying it right or wrong. Bordetello, that's the one with the hepatitis. Uh, Bordetella. Yep. That's different than hepatitis, but that's the kennel cough vaccine, the Bordetella. Okay. And then there's one for hepatitis because one of my neighbors, their dog came down. It was uh, a Ridgeback. It came down with hepatitis and, you know, I want a healthy dog and whatever I have to do, you know, because either you outlay money now or you pay, you know, with your guts after. And and I all of my animals have lived to very healthy years. And, you know, so that's what I want. And of course, you know, when they're loved, they thrive even more. But I, I figured if she's three, I should certainly have her for another 10, 11, maybe even 12 years if I'm really blessed. Yeah, it sounds like you do an excellent job caring for your animals and looking at all these different considerations. And I would just sort of emphasize some things that you've touched on here that it is important to talk with your veterinarian. And even when your pet comes to you fully up to date on vaccines, your vet can really talk to you about your lifestyle, your home, you know, do you have anything about your environment that makes certain vaccines more necessary for your pet than others? Are you planning to board your pet, you know, exposure at the dog park to different things? They can help you really assess risk and then decide if there's anything additional that your pet needs. If there's not anything additional needed at the moment, it's still good to have that conversation so you can plan ahead. You know, you talked about the cost of care and even just the um, mental anguish that comes with your pet being ill. It's always good to plan ahead and kind of know what precautions you can take now to help keep your pet healthy and, and hopefully avoid some of those concerns down the road. I once read somewhere when you bring a new dog home that you keep the leash on them for at least the the first night, just in case you have to, I'm going to tape up whatever I'm going to, you know, make it. So when I'm sleeping, I don't know what she'll do, you know, a bed. When I had dogs, they didn't have beds for dogs and they didn't have raised water and food bowls. I would imagine that I should have all of that out, not the food, of course, but the water out wherever I'm going to feed her and keep it in that area. So she always knows, you know, where she could get her water. Yeah. Access to clean, fresh water is important all of the time. And then it is good to have kind of a plan for how you can 
keep her safe initially as she's exploring the house. You know, a little bit of an older dog, like a three-year-old dog, hopefully isn't going to be getting into everything, chewing on everything. But there are certain dogs that are more prone to eating things and getting into that sort of trouble than others. And so as you're learning about your new dog, I do like your thought of having a leash or some way to kind of easily monitor and help redirect your pet if needed. And I, I would say with my own dogs, I've got three dogs that all actually have come from shelters. I have found that to be helpful as I've introduced the dogs, you know, to each other is that as they get gradual exposure, you know, we kind of go through a stepwise process with that introduction. But when I am to that point of letting them have contact with one another, having a leash on at first, just to make sure that I can kind of intervene more easily if there's a, a concern is helpful. I will say though, with a leash, probably not something that I would do when they're not supervised because you, you always worry that a, a leash could get caught on something and there could be kind of a, a risk. There. I mean, like, you know, when I first bring a home, it'll be daylight still. But, you know, as far as sleeping, do you approve of dog parks for so for, for being social? Because I think social is very important for an animal, just like it is for us. Yeah, I think physical activity and social activity is important. And you really just need to know your specific dog and how well they do. I actually have owned a dog previously that I think had an okay time at the dog park, but would kind of spend all of her time sitting next to me and wanting to be with people and not really interacting with the other dogs at the dog park. And so for a dog like that, they may not get as much out of it. Others, younger dogs that just really love to play and are friendly and, and do well in that setting, you know, absolutely. I think there is benefit to taking them to a dog park as long as they're properly protected with the right vaccines and deworming and things like that. I wouldn't do that, you know, unless I know exactly, you know, the vaccines that she has. And I wouldn't do that until I feel that she is bonded towards me. And I would only go look and see. I'm not letting her in when we first go. I'd want to watch how she responds. You know, in my community, there's all kinds of dogs, you know, blue healers, big dogs, there's little dogs. And there's this one blue healer. He seems to be like a Romeo. And this one woman had this little tiny schnauzer. I didn't even know they came that tiny. And you could see them doing the puppy prance. They really wanted to play. And now they're they're a couple. It's just it's just the cutest thing. Oh, I love that. And that, that's another good thing that you can even ask about at the shelter if you're new to owning a dog, especially, is just understand what are those behaviors that mean your dog is calm or happy and playful versus stressed and watch for those. And like I've said about a lot of things here today, it's about going slow. So maybe pick a time that the dog park's not super busy to go and, and just have a little bit of playtime with another dog or two at first and kind of see how they react and look for those signs of happiness that you've described, you know, as long as your dog is relaxed and playful, they're probably actually getting a lot out of the experience that I'm looking forward to, but not, you know, I'm going to go as, you know, my pace, her pace, because I want it to be whatever you do now, when you first get her will impact her going forward. So that's why I do want to wait till she bonds with me before I start introducing her to even friends. I don't want her to think because she's in a foster that now she's got to go to another foster because she's going to be stressed anyway. And the ride that I have to get her is a good hour and she's medium, but I don't know her neck size. You know, I want to get a harness for the back seat. All of those things I want to do properly. I want her to feel welcome. You know, like when you go to a hotel, they have the towels out, the mints out. That's the way I want her to feel. There won't be any mints. And I want to take her to uh, the toy store 
and let her pick out what she likes. What do you think about as far as the best nutrition, as far as dry food, wet food treats for, uh, you know, at three years old, is she really 21 or older? I'm really glad you're asking about that. And of course, as a, a veterinarian that's very focused on nutrition, you know, I love that you talked about wanting to consider all of your dog's needs and make her feel very welcome. And then mentioned like, we're not really going to do mints. So let's talk about food and, and proper nutrition. That's great. What actually is very important is making sure that the majority of what your pet eats is complete and balanced. So a food that's been formulated by nutritionists that's really properly um, developed for a dog. And at, at Hills, we produce uh, science diet pet food, as well as prescription diet pet foods that are for managing specific conditions. And it's really with the science diet, we're a science-led brand, meaning that we put all of our focus on making sure that we've got the best science behind our products that ensure that they do help do the things that you've talked about, ensuring there's a quality uh, life for as long as possible and keeping pets you know, healthy as long as possible. We really focus on that bond between the pet owner and the pet and making sure that we provide proper nutrition to help ensure that bond, you know, is quality and lasts as long as possible so that you can really enjoy your pet for many, many years. And now what about uh, vegetables like carrots or blueberries or fruit? What outside of the box can you give a dog that would be good for them? So in moderation, certainly would be my first point that that some of those little snacks are okay, but they need to really be a very small minority of the diet. And then work with your veterinarian on tips for what would be appropriate for your pet. Things like carrots, I would recommend. They're something that I think some dogs enjoy, some maybe not as much, but they're a nice lower calorie, healthy snack. Raw also, not cooked, raw. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's anything wrong with cooking them, but oftentimes raw works fine as well. So some of those little little treats like that or popcorn sometimes is another tip, something that we'll recommend for a pet that is um, not needing extra calories and we're just wanting to kind of work some additional fun treat into the popcorn. Popcorn. I think overall, as much as we as people like to feel that we're giving our pets variety and want them to be happy and, and show that love through nutrition, I actually feel that dogs uh, oftentimes are just happy to eat, you know, kibble and canned food and that complete and balanced um, dog food that we're talking about and don't necessarily have a huge need for those extras. So I know they're, they're fun to provide and working some of those in is okay. But again, in moderation and in consultation with your vet. And they should be fed twice a day, correct? In the morning, like maybe when I'm having my coffee or my breakfast, and then again, early evening, correct? Yeah, generally, that is what I recommend twice daily and feeding meals where you're measuring a portion and and know how much your pet is getting. Like so for a medium sized dog, just a little, uh, you know, a little cup of this and a cup of that mixed together. Yeah, hard to say what the exact amount would be, you know, without knowing the size of the dog. I think when they say medium, 40 pounds is tops. So it would be 40 or under. Sure. But even then there's uh, multiple factors, you know, is your dog at a nice weight body condition currently and which food are you feeding? Um, so you can start with some of the directions on the packaging and then again, consult your, your vet if you're having a lot of questions about whether you need to feed more or less and they can help you with that. Right. So when I go to the foster, I'll ask her, you know, what she has been feeding her. I wouldn't want to change right away, but gradually. Yeah, it, that's exactly it. I'd like to, what is your background? I mean, how did you, were you in an office before a practice or, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
I am happy to. I mentioned that I grew up in a home with cats and with a mom who's an animal lover and we lived on wooded property and I was just a tomboy and I've loved animals my whole life and then kind of got the science from my my dad and it was probably around junior high age that I really got focused in on veterinary medicine and knew I wanted to be a vet and I uh, did practice small animal medicine in a, a kind of traditional vet clinic for a period of time. I also have some experience working with wildlife and have done some teaching with vet tech students as well. And then I came to Hills almost 15 years ago and have been in a variety of roles with the company, but you know, I'm still in a role as a veterinarian. It's just a different type of role than what you think of with a typical practicing clinical veterinarian. And what I get to do is really have a bigger impact more broadly, helping to support the veterinary profession and doing things like this to help provide education that still is all about helping pet owners and pets, but in a different way than, you know, you would see a vet in traditional clinical practice. You know, every person that I've spoken to in my years who is a veterinarian always knew when they were young that this is the path they were going to take. Doesn't matter how they got there, but whether it was, you know, frogs or birds or, you know, this one needed help and they brought it home to their, their, you know, their parents. Can we help them? But everybody that I've spoken to who are in the veterinarian care, which we need more in the veterinarian care, and we need more veterinarians that will deal with larger animals. And like you say, wildlife, because things are changing and with eagles and the wolves and the moose that they're bringing back at greater numbers and bears that we really need more in the veterinarian care. My first boyfriend, when he wanted to become a vet, there were very few schools in the States that had veterinarian care. And he had to go to Brussels, which was a seven-year program. And I've said this before on my show, we went out to dinner once and he ordered rabbit and he ate the rabbit and then he put all the bones back together. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. And, and he had one of the first mobile veterinarians. I mean, I'm going back at least 40 years. At one point, he wanted to teach me to be a tech. I could slap myself silly that I said no, because, you know, now, especially with my podcast, I'm so involved in hearing so many stories and all the things we're finding out about animals and how bears can grieve for their young, of course, and donkeys, too. I mean, all of these animals that we didn't really give, except for animal lovers like yourself and myself and my listeners, that they really didn't give a second thought. They all have personalities. It's just a wonderful thing. And I always like to find out how people got from A, B and ended up at C. And sure. you know, that's that's a nice journey. That yeah, it's great. And if I could, there's a few really important things I think you've touched on there. Um, one is that it, it absolutely is quite challenging to get into veterinary medicine. There's not a, a huge number of schools and there's a, a whole lot of demanding you know, curriculum and, and things that you've got to do to prepare and get into veterinary college. And I'm, I'm not sure everyone fully understands that the training is actually quite comparable to a human medical doctor in terms of the number of years that you have to put into school. We also do have a shortage of veterinarians currently. And there, as you've touched on, like a huge number of uh, ways that veterinarians support society and all these different species that you mentioned were, were licensed to treat you know, any animal species at the end of the day. And then we, you know, talked about in my career, how I've done a number of things. There's actually a lot of different 
um, opportunities within veterinary medicine kind of beyond what you would traditionally think of. So it's a profession that I certainly feel I had a calling to at a young age, like pretty much every veterinarian that I've talked with, as you were describing. And I'm just, I feel so lucky to be involved and at a great company like like Hills and, and where I am today. So what is the wildest, strangest animal you've ever cared for? Oh, I love questions like that. I used to talk a lot to high school students and would always get that question. I worked with wild species that are native in in Minnesota primarily. And so, you know, would see big birds like big trumpeter swans and pelicans. I have spent a little bit of time at zoos and and worked with a number of species there. Hard to say which one is the wildest and craziest. Well, the most memorable that you could think of. I, you know, one story that I tell is about an opossum that came into the clinic one time. Um, I worked at a, a wildlife facility that, that was licensed to care for wild animals. And it was an opossum that had gotten itself into trouble in a vat of taco grease at a food chain kind of in there um, outside of the restaurant. And it came in just coated in this like bright orange taco grease and smelled pretty awful and was not the most fun uh, patient to work with, but kind of one of the more wild stories I have about an interesting. And you had to use Dawn, right? To get it off. They had to wash off the poor possum. Ah. Uh. All right. Well, I really want to thank you. It's very enlightening whenever you could get somebody at the top of their game to start talking about what their passion is. And I really appreciate. And hopefully you'll come back again. And by then I'll be bonded with my new love, my wing woman, as I'm going to be referring to her. If you don't mind, let me just mention to to your listeners that the Clear the Shelters campaign does go on throughout the entire month of August. I know you mentioned that at the beginning. And there is a nice website where they can go for more information. It's hills, H-I-L-L-S, cleartheshelters.com. If you go there, you can find participating shelters, check out kind of a grouping of different veterinarians that you might go and reach out to if you need support. There's lots of tips on adopting a pet. And so I want to make sure your your listeners know to go there for further information. And this is nationwide. It's a nationwide campaign. Yes. And so this is a great time to either donate, volunteer, foster, as you have talked about doing, or even adopt a pet if now is the right time for you and your family. And all of those people who do have pets and can handle it and afford it, you know, what's one more dog? You got two cars in your garage. You got multiple uh, phones. So, you know, sometimes it's nice to get a dog for your dog. Yeah, I, I have three. Not that three is the right number for everybody, but I've got three dogs and they are such important members of our family and bring us so much love. And we just really appreciate having them. This is actually the first time it's about three months that I've not had a pet in my life. So I'm actually tripping over nothing, you know, and it's still I look for my cat, you know, in different areas. You know, I'm conditioned. Really, it's my whole life and I'm 70. So I've had an animal all of my life except for these three months. And, you know, it really is something that that I miss. And uh, sure you do now more than ever. Now, my job is to keep in shape. And one of the ways to keep in shape is to have a companion that will walk with me. And that's what my goal is. Absolutely. Having a pet, I think, you know, you live a longer life because you have something you have to care for. Yeah, that companionship and and love goes both ways. I think the pet benefits from the relationship as much as you do, obviously. And, And so I just wish you all the best. I'm so excited to hear about how the new life goes with you and your new companion. Well, thank you very much. I want to thank our listeners. We have Dr. Karen with us, and she's given us lots of things to think about. 
I do want to ask you, you have three. Did you like start with one or get two? And then, you know, you just couldn't resist and added a third. Oh boy. So we, we had two dogs, my husband and I, shortly after we were first married. And then as the pandemic was beginning, they both were 14 and 15 years old and coming to the end of their lives. And so we unfortunately had to euthanize one of our dogs and then were at home during the pandemic and decided it was the right time to bring a, you know, another dog into the house. So we had one of our first two still older dog with a new puppy. And then as we got farther along in the pandemic, it was time to actually say goodbye to the other older dog as well. And just over the course of the last two years, we decided to bring in the second and the third. So we maybe are a little bit unusual in that I have to confess, we actually adopted three dogs during the course of the pandemic. But I I do want to emphasize the importance of doing it at the right time and being planful around how you do it. And so it wasn't all at once, but sort of over this last two years that we found ourselves now with these three new guys in our house. And, And they're varying ages. We've got one that's one, two, and three years old and uh, are really grateful that we have the resources to be able to provide a loving home to three shelter dogs that way. That's what I was going to say. You're very lucky because a lot of people did adopt a friend during the pandemic and now the pandemic, which isn't really over, but over the way it was. And, you know, for whatever reason, our you know, surrendering pets. I just don't understand, you know, how somebody could do that. I don't want to judge anybody, but I could never do that. That's why I want to make sure that my decision is the right decision for me. Yeah, it's a very important commitment. And I I have always felt just as you have that when you make that commitment, it's a lifelong commitment to the pets and so important to make sure it's the right choice and the right animal for your, your household. And, you know, you can work with the shelter if there's things that are not working out after you've adopted the animal and you need further counsel, they're there to support you and help ensure that that's a, a lifelong match that works out in the end as well. How is um, the uh, clearing the shelter going? You must be very busy. It is busy. You know, it's a busy time of year for shelters in the summer. And so it's uh, the optimal time to have a campaign like this running. And it just kicked off here at the beginning of August. So there's a lot of different events going on. And even towards the end of the month, all of our or a lot of our Hills employees go out and spend time volunteering at events at shelters. And so we're kind of excited to see things ramping up here this year, but so privileged to be able to get the word out and help support shelters across the nation and make sure that we get these pets adopted. Yeah, because I mean, 30 days is perfect. It used to be, I always thought it was always the first two months, but 30 days is really the way to go. Yeah. Good time frame and, and just really a, a nice time to celebrate the wonderful partnership between Hills Pet Nutrition and this huge number of shelters across the country. Well, Dr. Karen, it's been a, a pleasure. I thank you for all the information. I want to thank my listeners. I want to thank my producer, Mark. And for everybody listening out there, if you can, open your heart, open your home to you know find another pet, and that would be wonderful. And thank you again. And remember to live life unleashed. Bye, everybody. See you next time. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.